Psalms chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Psalms chapter 3, 1 and 2. Lord, how they have increased who, dr who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Good evening. We're glad that you're here tonight. If you're visiting, we are very thankful that you have chosen to come and be with us in our worship tonight. We're always grateful for the opportunity to be together, to worship God in spirit and in truth, to enjoy a period of fellowship, to be strengthened by one another. Tonight we're going to be looking at the third psalm, and we're going to look at the first six verses of Psalm 3, and we're going to be talking about the theme, Pray When Life Tumbles In. Most of us, if not all of us, face problems from time to time. It would be extraordinary to get through this life without facing some kind of difficulties. As a matter of fact, for the most of us, we face trials and tribulations on a regular basis. And there are a lot of people in our world tonight who are suffering. There are many people who belong to the body of Christ and they too are suffering. I think about the words of Job in Job 14 when he said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. How do you handle the problems of life when life literally tumbles in? What do you do? To whom do you turn? I want to recommend tonight that when the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of life come upon us, that we turn to God in prayer. And I want us to look at what is typically spoken of as a psalm of David. It's one of, one of David's psalms, and David, as you well know, had the opportunity to pen many of our psalms. And there are, are 150 psalms in our Bible, and David was the inspired writer of many of those psalms. And one of the things that strikes me in reading the psalms is the number of difficulties that David faced during his lifetime. I think sometimes we have the idea or the impression that individuals who are classified as spiritual giants, that they are immune to trials and tribulations. Well, David was a spiritual giant. David had his faults, his troubles, his trials, but he was a man after God's own heart. And then also we think about individuals who are extremely powerful, prominent, if you please. And sometimes we have the idea that they too are immune to the problems and the pressures of life. Well, David was a king. He was the king over the United Kingdom. He succeeded Saul, who was the first king over the United Kingdom. And David, as you well know, faced a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations in his life. And so in looking at Psalm 3, we have one such psalm, and many people believe that the background for this psalm has to do with the difficulties he faced when his own son, Absalom, turned against him. And so there are two things I want to share with you in our study tonight. The first thing that I call your attention to, the troubles of David. And then in the second place, we're going to talk about the trust of David. And really, when you face troubles, what you need to do is dig in Develop greater trust in the Lord, look to him, turn to him 
in those difficult moments in life. So we begin by looking at the troubles of David. And I guess as we think about his troubles, we need to understand that David faced some foes in life. And on this occasion, in this context, I believe that David has in mind his own son, Absalom. So first of all, we think about his conspirators. Look, if you would, at verse 1. In verse 1, here's what David said. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Now you can go back and read 2 Samuel and begin reading in about chapter 14 and going forward over to about chapter 17. And you will read of David's flight from his own son, Absalom. And Absalom, Absalom, as you well know, led a revolt, a rebellion against his own father. And I would just pause here and ask this question. What could be worse than having a friend or a family member betray you or turn their back on you? Here was somebody that was literally bone of David's bones, flesh of his flesh. And yet he rebelled against him, led a revolt. And in verse one when he says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. If you look over in about chapter 17, you'll see that on one occasion, Absalom was approached. And one individual encouraged him to allow him to gather some 12,000 men and follow after David. And he said, let me come upon him when he's weak and weary and put fear in him. And really what he wanted to do was scare him to death. And he said, I will single him out and I believe, in effect, take him out. Well, imagine having some 12,000 people on your heels. Well, that didn't come to pass, but nonetheless... Absalom and his people, and if you look at First Sam, or rather Second Samuel chapter 15, you'll find that he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. More and more people were gravitating to Absalom. And in that same chapter, the Bible says that the conspirators increased, and the number of those who followed Absalom, they increased greatly. And so David here brings to mind his conspirators. But then also, note if you would, in verse 2, his critics. <clears throat> He begins by saying in verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. But now look at verse 2. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. And really what they were saying is that God has abandoned him. That God is not on his side. And sometimes maybe we as members of the human family have the idea that the Lord has abandoned us. Maybe we like David are, are besieged by problems and trials and tribulations. Maybe we are literally up to our ears in troubles. And we feel as if we're all alone facing these difficult moments in life. Well, that, that kind of thinking is erroneous. God doesn't turn his back on his people. Now we may choose to turn our back on the Lord, but he doesn't turn his back on us. But nonetheless, there are times when people have grave misunderstandings like in this context. When there were people looking at David, they see him running from Absalom. Absalom's on his heels and he's trying to, to take the kingdom from him. 
And so they have the idea, the people have the idea that, well, the Lord's just abandoned David. He's given up on him. Well, that wasn't the case, but nonetheless, that was the thinking of that day. But now I want you to look in the second place at the trust of David. And this, this is really the heart of the psalm. Beginning in verse 3 down through verse 6, we read of the great faith of David. And I think what we, what we come to appreciate is that David was a man of prayer. And so first of all, we think about his prayer. Let me call your attention to verse 4. In verse 4, listen to what David said. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. If you look at the Psalms, one of the things that you have to appreciate is the fact that David was a godly man, and David was a man of prayer. In Psalm 55, David said in the long ago in verse 17, Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. I believe that David had regular times during the day that he turned to God and prayed. Let me just make this, this comment. All of us who belong to the family of God ought to be people of prayer. Prayer ought to be something that we do on a regular basis, not just in times of crisis. Is God available to us in times of crisis? Absolutely. But we ought to be the kind of people who are prayerful on a daily basis. For example, Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he said, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. Paul here simply acknowledging the fact that you and I, we ought to be steadfast in our prayer life to God. It ought to be a daily part of life. Look, for example, at the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things that impress, that ought to impress us about the Lord's life. But one of the great things that stands out in my mind is how often Jesus turned to the Father in prayer. In Mark chapter 1, we read of Jesus rising early in the morning. And Mark tells us he went out into a solitary place and there prayed to God. In Luke chapter 6, we find Jesus before selecting the 12 apostles. You know what he did the night before? Luke tells us he spent the night in prayer to God the Father. And then we look at the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus bowing under the weight of the cross because the cross was looming before him. Praise to his heavenly Father. Luke tells us being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. I said a moment ago that when life tumbles in, we ought to pray. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you see that he was a man of prayer. You look at the life of David, again, you see a man of prayer. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 1. He said that men ought to always pray and not to faint. If you and I are not careful, we can allow the difficulties and the problems, the trials and the tribulations of life to literally wear us down. Not only wear us down, but weigh us down. And so Jesus said, in light of the, the weight of life itself, don't fall under the weight of life, but rather pray. Look to the Lord, pray about it. Now, having noted what David said in verse 4, 
and the fact that he prayed, I want you to now note his peace. And there are really four things that I believe emerge out of a study of these three verses. Because what we find is that David was abundantly blessed by turning to God in prayer. And so I want to isolate for you four things that you and I can derive out of praying to God. Number one, prayer aids us in life's struggles. Look again at verse four. In verse four, here's what David said. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Now, David is under enormous pressure here. And no doubt, he feels the struggles of life weighing upon him heavily. To whom does he turn? He turns to the Lord. When we face struggles in life, to whom should we turn? Well, I believe we ought to turn to the Lord. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He said, casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Does God care about me? Does God understand where I am in life? When the problems of life are weighing heavily upon me, does God know what I'm experiencing in this life? You better believe he does. Not only does God know where I am in life, but God cares. He genuinely cares. Now, there are times in life when people will tell us they care about us, and they will express that verbally. Sometimes they'll do so, maybe by their actions or deeds. You and I ought never question the fact that God cares about us. Now, we talk about prayer aids us in life struggles. Listen to what James said in James chapter 5, verse 16. We ask the question, does prayer help? Can we turn to God and expect him to respond accordingly? Well, listen to what James said. James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. All James is saying there is this. There is power in prayer. When you and I face difficulties in life, we need to turn to the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, one of my favorite verses connected to prayer. The Hebrew writer said, let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's the Hebrew writer saying? He's telling us that you and I can boldly appear before God's throne. We can lay our trials, our tribulations, our troubles before him. And we can walk away expecting his divine help. God is involved in the lives of people. I think sometimes individuals have, have this concept that God created the world but then just removed himself from the affairs of mankind. That's not true at all. God is, God is involved in the affairs of the human family on a daily basis. If God was not involved in our lives, why would he tell us to pray? Why would he say that we can expect to find grace to help in time of need? And so the Lord is simply saying, look, I'm available. God is available 24-7. There's a second thing that I believe we see in Psalm 3. Not only does prayer aid in life struggles, but prayer provides security. Look at verse 3. In verse 3, now bear in mind, well, go back and look with me again at verse 1. Listen to what, listen to what David said. Lord, how they, are, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. 
Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Now, in that setting, listen to what he says in verse three. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. David here is saying, look, the enemy is all around me. There are a lot of people that have literally set themselves in array against me. My own son is leading the charge. But where's God in all this? He said, here's where God is. God, you have built a wall. You have built a shield behind which I can stand. I don't know about you, but I believe that we ought to be encouraged by the fact that God will be a shield for us. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. The first time this, this concept or this idea of God being a shield to his people is found in, 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 that, in that chapter, in Genesis 15. Abraham, as you well know, is the one through whom the promised seed is to come. And God has said that through his, through his lineage, he would bless the human family. And so in Genesis chapter 15, God said to Abraham, I will be your shield and exceedingly great reward. God was saying to this great patriarch in the past, of the past, look, I'm gonna be a shield to you. What one of us does not need the Lord on our side? Shielding us from some of the things that we experience in this life. And we talk about God providing a security blanket for us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, the writer said in the long ago, speaking of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Now, if you look at that verse, you'll see that when, when the writer there said, the Lord is my helper, that's a complete sentence. And then he raises this question. What can man do to me? In light of the fact that God is my helper, in view of the fact that God will never leave me nor forsake me, here's the question. What can man do to me? The answer is nothing. You see, God is on our side. God is there to provide a shield for us. There's a third thing that we see. Drop down now and look at verse five. Here we find prayer soothes the heart. In verse five, this is a great, a great passage. Here's what David said. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Now you have to understand Absalom is trying to take his life. Where's where David? David's on the run. And as I said a moment ago, if you look over in chapter 17 of 2 Samuel, you find that on one occasion, the, the, the statement was made to Absalom, let me gather 12,000 men together and I tell you what, we'll put fear in the mind of David. We will, we will literally be on his heels. If you, had, if you had enemies like that on your heels, how well would you sleep at night? probably you would sleep with one eye closed and one eye open. 
I think about soldiers in the heat of battle. It would be difficult for me to lie down and sleep peacefully if I knew I was in the midst of the battlefield. Well, David, in a sense, is in the midst of battle. And David is saying, because God is my shield, because God is on my side, I can lay down, I can lie down, and I can sleep. I can awake, and the Lord has sustained me through all of this. I want to pause here and ask this question. Do you ever have trouble sleeping at night? I wish I could stand before you and tell you that I don't ever have trouble sleeping at night. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes I do. This past week, a couple of nights in particular, I, I would wake up, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, I've got things on my mind, I can't go back to sleep. That's what problems and trials and tribulations will do. What's the remedy for that? How do we handle nights like that? What we have to learn to do is turn it over to God. You remember what Peter said, casting all, A-L-L, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you? Listen, please, God's shoulders are big enough to handle my problems. There is nothing I can throw in God's court that he can't handle. Do you believe that? I want you to just think for a moment about what you're facing in this life. Some of the things that you, that you as an individual are facing. Maybe some of the problems you're facing are great in life. It may be the case that you've just come through a storm in life. Well, how do we handle those, those, those difficult moments? We've got to turn to God. We've got to, we've got to put our troubles, our trials, our cares on Almighty God. In Philippians chapter 4, here's what Paul said, in nothing be anxious. Really what Paul is saying is, do not worry. Don't worry. Don't be filled with anxiety. Sometimes that's easier said than done, but that's what Paul is saying. In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I take from that. When I take the trials and the troubles that I'm facing in this life, when I take those trials and difficulties and I lay them before the altar of Almighty God, when I put them in his court, you know what I can do? I can do just what David did. I can lay down and I can sleep. Now, I know there are times in life when we are so encumbered with the difficulties and the loads of life, we can't sleep. I know because I've been there, been there this past week. But what I have to learn to do, what you have to learn to do, is put those things on Almighty God. Put them on His shoulders. Why? Because that's what He wants us to do. And so prayer aids us in life struggles. Prayer provides security. Prayer soothes. And then there is a fourth thing. I think it's equally important. Prayer keeps us 
from being scared or being fearful. Listen to what he says in verse six. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. If you go back and you read 2 Samuel, you'll find that Absalom, his numbers were increasing greatly. And he was about to pull off a coup, if you please. He was doing everything within his power to, to take the kingdom. Ultimately, he failed. But he had a lot of people on, on his side. And so here's David, and he's saying, in the middle of all this, in view of the fact that I've got all these people hounding me and on my, on my back, I'm not gonna be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all about. What is the worst thing that you can think of that you might face in this life? For most of us, it would probably be death, wouldn't it? I mean, there are a lot of heartaches and trials that we can face in life, but for the most part, probably the thing that, that makes us the most fearful is death. We need not fear death. Why is that? Because we have the promise of the Lord being at our side. Is it not the case that when we come to the close of our life here on earth that we can turn to God in prayer? That we can look to God and ask him to be with us, to give us a peaceful hour to depart this life? The psalmist in Psalm 23 said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Look at the apostle Paul. Paul is nearing the end of his life here on earth. He's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. Paul knew death was imminent. Nero Caesar would ultimately behead him. And so he could say, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. And not to me only, but to all them that have loved his appearing. All Paul was saying there is, I know death is coming. I know that I'm about to lose my physical life, but in so doing, I'm going home to be with God. Now, we talk about prayer, keeping us from being scared. Are there fearful moments in life? Absolutely. Are there times when we're scared? What's around the corner? Of course we are. In John chapter six, we have an account of Jesus walking on the water. And the text tells us that when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were on their way to Capernaum, but they were fearful. They were afraid. And here's what Jesus said. He said, it is I, do not be afraid. And I think what the Lord would say to us as we travel through life is do not be afraid. Why? Because he's on our side. He's in our camp. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And so, when life tumbles in, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. Read with me again Psalm 3, beginning in verse 1. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. 
I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. What I take from reading those verses is that David was a man of great faith. And the application that, that I get from reading those verses is this. You and I need to develop greater faith in the Lord because rare indeed is the person that gets through this life without facing any kind of trouble and trial. When we face the trials and the troubles of life, what we ought to do is arm ourselves with a prayerful disposition. We ought to turn to God recognizing that God the Father is interested in us, concerned about us. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. And the bottom line is this. He'll stand with us through thick or thin. I've seen it in my own life, and I'm sure you have too. I want us to close with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the privilege and the power of prayer. We're grateful for the opportunity to come before your throne tonight, acknowledging you as our God, our Father. We're so grateful for the, for the love that you have for us, for the provisions that have been made possible for us through Christ. And Father, we understand that when we come together as your people, that many times there are those who are hurting and suffering. There are those who are encumbered by the trials and the tribulations of life. And may we, like David, learn to put our trust in you. May we learn to lean upon you, come what may. And Father, when we come to the close of our life here on this earth, we ask that you would take us home to be with you forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the great blessings of being a child of God is prayer. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. I would encourage you tonight, if you're not a child of God, to consider becoming one of his children. The Bible tells us repeatedly that God loves us, that he sent his son to die for our sins. And in light of that, what we need to understand is the Lord wants us to be in a covenant relationship with him. How do we do that? Well, first we put our faith in him. We come to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the son of God. Jesus would say, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. And then we willingly turn from a life of sin. It's called repentance. We give up living for the world. The Bible then tells us that we are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. We acknowledge like the eunuch did in the long ago, Jesus is the son of the living God. The Bible then tells us to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism, knowing that when we do that, we contact the blood of Christ.
which washes away all of our sins, Revelation 1, verse 5. And then if we live faithfully, the promise is a home in heaven. If that way of life is appealing to you tonight, I would urge you to come. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not a faithful child of God. Why not come back to a loving God? Why not come back? Let us pray with you and for you. God will abundantly pardon us. We stand and sing.